And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have in all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance for every good work. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Thank you, Father, today. Ask your help, Holy Spirit, in all of this that we turn our eyes to today. In Jesus' name. Well, we talked about turning your tomb into a womb, and today I want to follow up with that uh, in uh, about the best is yet to come. I know it's a cute phrase, but I believe that it's a, a biblical truth. That God has, you know, a blessed future for each and every one of humanity through Jesus Christ our Lord. Fact of the matter is that Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples and those who were part of his, you know, believing entourage, say, uh, people that believed and conveying to them that the best is yet to come. Yes. And understanding that the life of the godly is not a straight line to glory, but we do get there. We do get there. Amen. Because in all of your setbacks, God is planning and plotting for your joy. Our scripture passage is taken from the life of Elijah. An amazing story. And as we begin this, the overarching thought is, don't turn your cave into a grave. Don't turn your cave into a grave. And we will discover what caves are like, what's in caves, and uh, so on and so forth. (coughs) Elijah's story. He had given his whole life to the service of the Lord. He stood in times of great darkness. He faced the great enemies and stood strong in a man that was an amazing servant of the Lord. But in our story, we see him go from power and boldness to fear, panic, and flight. He's an exhausted prophet. 
He has stood in the face of it all, and yet he hasn't seen change. He's become weary, even though he just has come from one of the greatest victories that he experienced in his ministry. So it was not just fear that caused him to run. It was frustration. Think about it now. It was disappointment. He went, and his first stop was under the broom tree, and he said, it's enough. See, he wasn't afraid of death. No. Because he asked the Lord to take his life. Yes. He was not just running. He was giving up. When he went to Beersheba, or into Judah, he left his servant there. And he went on further. All of us given us an indicator that he was going to quit. You don't quit. You know, when somebody's around you, you set the stage to quit alone. Yes, he was frustrated. Unrealized expectations can bring down the most faithful servants of God. I only am the one that's left. Yes. Think about this, man of God, for a moment. He was no pushover prophet, let me tell you. He prophesied in the face of 450 prophets of Baal. He's a man who has raised the dead. He's declared supernatural provision. He's seen, you know, him being sustained through famine in those that he ministered to. He had a, an anointing that destroyed debt in people's lives and the widow's life. An anointing that produced prosperity. He was bold as a lion and as mean as a bear. He was no weekend warrior. He was used to the battlefield. He stood against wicked kings and Jezebel religious systems that had turned against God. He brought drought and rain. He experienced the supernatural as he was fed by ravens, widows, and angels. He knew what it was like for God to come through in his unique Ways. The power to multiply the meal and the oil. A child restored to life in his ministry. He divided the waters of Jordan. He was no weekend warrior. But he has a cave experience. Experience. This mighty man ended up in 
a cave. A cave is a hiding place or a place of separation or isolation. It's a place where you feel like you're all alone and the only one that's trying to do it right. You're the only one on the job. You see, remember this. Just because God isn't working the way you expect him to doesn't mean that he's not working. The cave is a place of meager existence. In 1 Kings chapter 18, it says, as they hid the prophets, they fed them with bread and water. In the cave, everything comes in small doses. It's where you're just given enough to be kept alive, but not enough to enjoy your life. I hope before I'm through today that you'll come out of any cave that you may have entered into. That your tomb will really have been transformed transformed into a womb, a womb of life. For I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. For God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. He shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We have a connector to the treasures and the riches of heaven and the almighty God, and that is Jesus Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us, you know, uh, understand, perceive, you know, and reclaim what God has planned for us. Fear in the cave turns your daily portions into anxiety and takes away the enjoyment that they were intended to bring. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, yes. There's a father who has a table and your daily needs are met. We are prone to want our month need, our year needs, our retirement needs. I mean, we're trying to get God to do everything in one day, what he's designed to do throughout the days. I got a few amens. Thank you, brethren. <laughs> I'm going to keep you on my team. <laughs> oh, yes. Hallelujah. The cave. It's surviving on mere crumbs. You can be sincere and still live in a cave. Yes. You see, caves are a spiritual reality. You may never in your life walk into a natural cave, but some point in your faith walk, you will experience a cave. Because you can be rich and still be in a cave. You can be surrounded by people and still be in a cave. Yes. Amen. The cave is a place of depression and heaviness where the confused mind is falling apart. And there's a dysfunctional connection with God. You know, sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off. 
and it's mainly caused through natural reasoning. Through natural reasoning. Another thing that's in the cave is depression. See, depression is not just an attitude or a feeling. It is a spirit. Isaiah 61, chapter, verse 3 says that he has given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Paul wrote to Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power of love and and strong mind. Yes. We can't come out of the cave if we don't know it's possible that we're in it. It's a dark place. It's a place that causes us to whack dim and dull, to faint, to have sorrow and grief beyond repair. In the cave, relationships are sabotaged. Abundant living and vision fade away. The cave. We've already mentioned that it is a place of fear and it is a spirit. We notice what happened to Elijah in his cave. To him, it was a cave of self-pity and frustration. The cave is a place of I. I've been, I've done, I am. The cave is a place that distorts your view. You don't see the whole picture. Now, causes you to face and focus everything through a negative lens. In its extremeness, it is the case. It is a place, excuse me, of execution by frustration. I'm done. I'm through. I'm finished. Yes, life is full of disappointments. And if we're not careful, those expectations will derail us. Why? Because they become demands of the heart. They are a reality. But when they become demands of the heart, they derail us. We must believe because love does that. Love believes all things, hopes all things. When I was going through my cave, I recognized that what was missing was that dynamic of love. Oh, I loved God. You know, I wasn't giving up my faith. But it wasn't all that alive either. <laughs> it's, it's circling the wagons rather than Forward ho! <laughs> Caves are in life. So it's a place of death. And the executioner is frustration. Probably never thought of the extremeness or how powerful it really is. But this man, this powerful man, 
this man of miracles, this man, you know what I mean, that has experienced God in, you know, ways that we'd only hope to experience him, has fallen into the cave of frustration. He couldn't see any change. Couldn't see anything happening. As though what his work and his efforts had were fruitless. We will see as we go on. The cave is a place where dreams die and visions expire. A place where passion and enthusiasm and desire are surrendered to apathy, indifference, and hopelessness. It's when our happiness is connected to our expectations. When our securities, you know, and the significance of them somehow diminish because our expectations seem to be unfulfilled. But the question I want to ask us is, or tell you, rather, never walk by sight. Never walk by sight. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Absolutely. Are you saying, Pastor, that we are not aware? Not at all. We discover four principles from the life of Abraham, the father of faith, that help him move through the cave. Number one, he had confidence in God. Number two, he was cognizant of the problem. My body and her body our tombs. <laughs> yes. He understood the parameters. But the parameters did not get out. He was not walking by sight. If you get anything this morning, don't Walk by sight. Walk by faith in the almighty promises of God. So number one, he was confident in God. He was cognizant of the, of the problem of the situation. But he was convinced in the promises Convinced in the promises. So much so that he said, when he offered Isaac, who was the promise of his future, he said, it may die, but it will come to life again. It's tough when things die. But the tomb of Jesus Christ guarantees that your tomb can become a womb. A womb of new life. A womb of new vision. A restoration and a recovery of that vision. Abraham looked beyond, beyond the problem to the promiser. Hallelujah. 
Now here's where we, you know, it kind of, we fall short. We look at the promise. But we need to bring into view a vision of the promiser. Yeah. I don't trust everybody. Well, I trust all you, but you're not everybody. You're somebody, see? <laughs> you hear me now, you know. But my father, who's went to be with the Lord, man, trusted him completely. If he said it, somehow he would arrange it. Somehow he would get it done. I didn't have to follow up on him. I didn't even have to remind him. Because he had a track record before I came. Hallelujah. Jesus not only has a track record before you came, but he'll have one after you came. Been throughout. Oh, yes. This is what walking by faith does. Yes. And then he was... He stood constant against all odds. He was confident. He was cognizant. He was convinced. And he was constant. Yes. You can turn your cave into a recovery center. Yes. It's time to change the letter of tomb to the letter W. It's there that the new beginnings in the cave of resurrection takes place. How can we turn it, our cave, into a recovery center? What causes darkness to become light or technically flee? Anybody? A light. Absolutely. The only way that darkness can win is for the light to refuse to shine. What does dispel darkness but light? Yes. One little candle when it's lit is enough light to dispel the surrounding immediate darkness. Yes. All you got to do is just turn the light on. Psalms 119, 5. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. There is the key, is get the word, because it's a light. Whatever you're facing, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. 
The devil wants to turn out your light and he does it by turning off the word. He puts a dimmer on it by getting you to doubt into question. He wants to turn your cave into a grave. He wants to take the stone and he wants to insert it so that there's no exit from your cave. David, another great example and a powerful person that we can emulate in our lives when he couldn't find anybody to encourage him. When he couldn't find anybody to pat him on the back and speak encouragement to his, into his life. He preached to himself. Oh, hallelujah. We need to become preachers in our caves. Yes. An amazing word from David as he preached to himself. Jesus said, you are a light. I know it was taken a little further than, you know, than just out there in witnessing to the, the world. It's bringing it right back home. You are the light of your world. And if a cave in its darkness is now, you know, part of the journey, turn the light on. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. We're coming out. Yes. What a, what a position we have today. Between the Holy Spirit and God's word, we have a generator that lights your soul and your world. Who against hope believed in hope? You don't need hope. You need to believe. And that'll bring some hope. <laughs> if you understand what I'm saying. In other words, you're cognizant of what the situation is. Now, here's the good news. Now, all of this is challenging, but we got a helper. Yes. We got the Holy Spirit. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. You're not on your own. You don't have to rely upon, you know, your mental assentness. But you do need to open your book or your heart if that's where it's at. And start turning the light on. See, this message this morning is not just a message. It is, contains a prophetic perspective. Yes. Elijah, it says, and the Lord passed by. The Lord knows you're in a cave. And it's significant to him. A sparrow cannot fall, but what your heavenly father takes note of it. And I don't think he just goes, oh, well, there's another one. No. No. And are you not worth more than many? 
See, even sparrows in that day had a value on them. You got value this morning. The Lord's passing by your cave to turn your cave into a launching pad to revive the vision, to revive the hope. But you must let go of what you planned to accept that which is waiting for you. Jesus gave up his natural to enter into the supernatural. And not only for himself, but for you and I. The first thing God told Elijah, he said, come out of your cave. Come out of your cave. And discern what is really the voice of God. Tell your neighbor this morning it isn't over until God says it's over. That's right. One word from God can turn that tomb into a womb. You see, the devil's got it wrong. It's not a tomb. It's a womb. And ask my musicians to come this morning. Yes, I went in depressed, but I'm coming out dancing. I went in fearful, but I'm coming out full of faith and power. I went in empty, but I'm coming out full. I went in thinking it was over. But I'm coming out knowing it's just getting started. I went in to get away from Jezebel, but I'm coming out to get rid of Jezebel. I went in surrendering my anointing, but I'm coming out distributing my anointing. Absolutely. Yes, God said, Elijah, you can't die. There's something that you got to give to the next prophet, to the next generation. Yes. He said, Elijah, the dream, you know, that you had and the unfulfilled expectations that were not realized during your lifetime, your successor is going to be and see that they are fulfilled. Hallelujah. Again, we can go back to next generation and kids. It may not all happen in your lifetime, but God told Elijah, it's going to happen in Elisha's lifetime. Yes. Oh, are you hearing me this morning, church? Yes. Amen. To everyone and to all of you workers hell, in the kingdom, be encouraged. You may not always see the fruit of your work and your labor as you, you know, so desire. It may come in your time, but it is guaranteed it will come in God's time. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Plate said yesterday in our prayer thing, cast your bread upon the waters and it will return after many days. God makes a promise to us. Keep, keep casting. Hallelujah. Amen. Keep throwing it out there. He said, I got a wave coming your way. Give the Lord a praise. There's a wave coming your way. Amen. And in that wave, hallelujah, is all that you have sown in the years before. It's coming back to you. Hallelujah. Because it's just not your reputation. It's God's reputation. He wants you and I to have confidence in him. He wants us to feel assured. He wants us to know that, you know, if he asks us to walk on water, go ahead and give it a try. And if you go down, his hand is going to be there until you learn how to walk on water. There must be a technique. <laughs> how to walk on water. It is, there is. You know what it is? Don't walk by sight. Don't walk by sight. When he took his eyes often Jesus and put his eyes on the wave he sank closing in the story Cana in a wedding mess. There's a master for your mess. The guests, the governors, Jesus, the disciples, everybody's there. Mother of Jesus is there. Imagine the embarrassment. When the wine ran out. It's not fixable. The stores are closed. But there's a master. That's at the wedding. There's a master. The widow of Zeropath was in a cave. To make it short, that cave became the soil from which the future would blossom. This is no time, personally or corporately, locally or worldwide, to circle the wagons. No. It's no time to circle the wagons. It's time impossible to turn your cave into recovery center. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open to me, I'll come in and I'll turn your cave into a recovery center. I'll turn your tomb into a life-giving 
womb. So how do you stand with me? How do you turn? How do you manage your cave? You have to manage your cave. You realize that stuff runs out. And it runs out because we're stuff dependent. But when stuff runs out, there's a miracle in the making. A miracle in the making. So tell Jesus. Tell Jesus. Well, I have told him. That's probably how you told him, too. (laughs) Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. And help us to forgive those who've sinned against us and that we've got a grudge with them. I forgive them, Lord. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Take us out of this cave, God. Because thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever and ever. Yes. Learn to execute Jesus' message In the cave, maybe you need to downsize your life. Maybe there's some parasites. You know what a parasite is? It draws life without ever giving anything back. Anxiety, worry, frustration, all of those things. She's not here this morning, and without her by my side, it's, it's, I wouldn't be where I am today, but once in a while, my wife does get a little frustrated with me. I know you can't hardly believe that, but, (laughs) because to her, I come across a little too nonchalant. I'm not being nonchalant. I'm cognizant. But I got to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. That's all it is. Amen. We got to close. I want to pray this morning, though. I have to pray. I'm going to pray for financial. Two things God said pray for this morning. Financial breakthrough and for family breakthrough. Financial and family. Now, there's so many areas that need prayer, but these are the two he said to to pray about this morning. So if you let me do that. (coughs) Heavenly Father, as you bow your heads, as heir to the blessings through Jesus Christ, And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray for financial breakthrough in the lives 
of this body of believers right now. I ask you to grow their finances. Finances. I ask you to let every bill be paid and every debt eliminated. I ask you to open the windows of heaven and let the finances flow from your treasure to their needs. Let a measure come that does more than meet needs but supplies so that there is a reserve. Divine intervention. Bless them financially. Father, your word declares that you take pleasure in the prosperity of your people who favor your righteous cause. You are the source of more than enough. You are El Shaddai. My shepherd, I shall not want. Jehovah Jireh, the one who goes before me. You supply I every need according to your riches and glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Release it. Bring it, God, to them. In Jesus' name for the families now. Heavenly Father, your family. Family's your idea to stand as part of that heavenly family. We pray for strong bond of relationship in each family. Let that bond of love and unity between husband and wife. God, that there's a commitment, a sacrificial love, and there's a tender mercy. Father, I pray this morning for the family prodigals. They'll come home, not only to the heavenly father, but to the family home itself. And father, if there's any generational curses, we declare them broken and ineffective by the blood of Jesus Christ. Cause the vision you have for each family to be established. We pray this morning for uncommon breakthrough for our days that lie ahead. And we ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a praise this morning and sing it, son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Come out of your cave. Oh, hallelujah. You just got to walk it out. You do not have to be a super saint to get God to come to your cave. Now, praise the Lord. He's already there. Just hear his voice. Elijah, come on out. Come out of the cave. Let's talk it over. Amen. Go with God. Because he's going with you. God bless you. In Jesus' name.